0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and
1: welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is designed by rural leaders and for rural leaders. We are hoping to come at you every week with content that is designed for where you're at and spoken by people who get it, people who have done God's work in small out-of-the-way places, people who understand what it's like to live in the world of rural ministry. And this week is no different. We are in the middle of a new series on bivocational voices. We recognize that a large part of our audience and a large part of rural ministry involves uh, some sort of... Holy side hustle, if you will, that uh, not everybody gets the blessing and the benefit of being paid full time. And oftentimes, bivocational is something that we even choose for the sake of effective ministry. And so we're excited over the next several weeks to have that conversation. I am your host, Joe Epley, with a voice that is a little scratchier than usual. So please put up with me. Today, I am excited to introduce you to our guest. We have with us Steve McBrien, and uh, he is a rural pastor who I believe, chose to be bivocational for the sake of furthering ministry. And so I'm excited for him to tell his story. But the first thing I want to say is, Steve, how you doing, man?
0: Hey, good, Joe. Appreciate you having me on here. I'm excited to share our story today.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear that story and for our listeners to hear that story. I think it's one that obviously just speaks of what God's doing in your context and through your ministry. And so uh, why don't you start? I ask everybody the same question because I want... Uh, maybe people to understand your connection to the rural church, right? Um, including kind of how you came to work at your uh, current church and maybe like why you love rural ministry so much. So kind of that that story of your connection with the rural church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much raised in rural areas all my life as a guy, become an adult, moved to a bigger town, but always had rural in my heart, family, kind of country people, and, you know, so it wasn't, like a drastic culture shock to us to come to where we're at and begin to minister to these people. I remember the we had kind of a meet and greet when we came that weekend to try out, and they'd been without a pastor quite some time. And so we had the dinner and then just kind of had an open discussion afterwards with the few people that were here at the time. And I remember after we were done, the guy that was kind of emceeing the meet and greet said, well, folks, I don't know about you, but he sounds like us. He talks like us you know, he, he kind of gets where we're at. And so that made us feel good that we hadn't lost really our connection with real America. So we, we fed off pretty good right off the bat. And when we came your typical, you know, revitalization church has been here. Matter of fact, next year, we will celebrate a hundred years at this location as a church. And so, you know, they two and three years was like maximum for pastors. And, you know, it, it was your typical horror story when it comes to church you know, in ministry and rural ministry. And uh, I talked to the superintendent and he said, Hey, Steve, if you see it, that's wonderful. If you can't see it, that's okay too. And so we came, we saw it and uh, there was a lot of, a lot of unfinished things, but there was enough here to see that, well, we could really make an impact in our community. If we could just get everybody on board and uh, realize we have some facilities here that we can utilize. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm sitting in my office is in that one of the facilities that was already here Uh, family life center and in rural america that's that's like having a a ymca you know (laughs) honestly yeah it's huge so it was here wasn't finished but we got started on that that's was the opening door for us to reach our people to get them on board but then also we had a place to uh do some things that we could bring our community into
1: wow man that's a cool story and i think we're gonna get into this but uh from what I understand, just to be clear, you didn't really start by vocational at this position, did you?
0: Right. No, I I was like anybody else. This is my first church, and um, I came into it with the same mindset that most, you know, boy, I want to go somewhere where it's full time and I can devote all my time to the church. And, you know, and, and I, would, I did that for about the first seven years. But then it started like to weigh on me that, OK, my, my kids have grown up. I don't have those connections in the community with the kids through my kids anymore I had to find a new way And well in any rural community the hub is the schools so we int- I intentionally started to put my resume in for uh they had some coaching openings and so the opportunities came and uh, i jumped you know feet first and that really benefited us a lot my wife had been a parent at the school so she had kind of opened the door too. just a lot of you know ways to uh just continue to do ministry. Like I tell my church, you know, it's one thing to be a pastor, but how could I be Steve McBride? You know, how can I be just the guy that's a Christian in my community? Because when people hear you're a pastor, you know, you get the typical, Oh, okay. Yeah. And they kind of shut you off, you know, not being, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not being mean or anything, but they just kind of turn on their preacher filter. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so when I, I got into the, This side of it, it was like, okay, now I get to meet people again back in the workplace and I get to deal with, you know, young men and and mentor young men in a way that I had no way to do before, unless I was doing youth ministry, which I wasn't. So, you know, it really was intentional because it felt like I I needed to do something outside of the church because if I didn't, uh, you know, we've tried this for decades and it doesn't work. We'll just sit here in our church, wait for people to come. Well, it don't work. And I had to lead my church family. Well, the best way to lead them was, you know, if I'm going to preach about, you know, evangelizing your coworkers and your family and your friends, well, I needed to find a way to do that myself. Obviously, moving here from out of state, I had no family. And, and without working at the school, I didn't have anyone to reach out as a coworker, And so it just made sense. And uh, the school, we had won there their hearts over, they had trusted us. By this time in seven years, we, we had given them a reason to trust us. And so um, I've been around sports my whole life anyway, played it, coached it, you know, coached my own kids. And so it wasn't like I had to learn a new trade. And so uh, it, it just fit and uh, the Lord ordained it. When I, I can remember moving here and thinking, okay, I'm new, you know, my son, my youngest son was going into fifth grade. My daughter was going to be a freshman in high school and I'd coached them up to this point. And I'm like, all right, now I don't now have to do this anymore. I can go and just play ball. And it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> I still ended up, you know, in a small town, they're always looking for coaches. They're always looking for, you know, people to help. And so I jumped right back in, not knowing that seven years down the road, it would actually be a great asset when these openings came, because like I said, I'd earned the trust of the school principal superintendent, and all those. So it was deliberate. It's not for the money. Sure, sure, Absolutely sure. not for the money. The two least paid jobs I think there are as preachers and coaches.
1: Yeah, you, know?
0: yeah. you, can throw in, you can even throw in teachers in there too, I believe, but most most underpaid people there are, but it's the greatest reward too. Yeah. So Well, and
1: honestly, I love uh, hearing that journey because one of the things I mentioned briefly at the beginning is um, I think there's a viewpoint of bivocational that still persists in a lot of people's mind where they say, I will do bivocational if I have to, uh, but eventually, I'd love to be full time because who doesn't see the blessings, you know, of that that kind of full time uh, ministry and then the full time to devote to the church. But it's cool that in your story, you actually saw the limitations of being full time in a sense. Like you said, yeah, I, I I can do this, and sure, there's some good things, but but it severely began to limit maybe your involvement in the community. And so to choose bivocational. I think speaks a lot of the value of what it means to be in our community. So I want to talk first about uh, kind of the culture of your church, right? Because I think that you mentioned maybe a slogan that you guys have where it was growing upward and serving outward. So even before you went by vocational in this coaching role, what kind of things were your people doing and was your church doing to kind of foster this mentality in your people?
0: Well, when we got here, they were just, you know, they were surviving and uh, doing the best they could. You know, they had the core group of folks that, you know, stuck tight. Like I said, they uh, it was close to two years. They didn't have a pastor. You know, I mean, it, it had to be That's really tough, yeah. scary. But they were able, to, yeah, they were able to keep the the bills paid enough. You know, had a little bit in savings, and they were just just kept holding on, kept holding on. Luckily, they had a, a, a lady ministering in the mornings. And a gentleman come in the evenings and do a Sunday night. And then Wednesdays, they were kind of just on their own. And they just maintained and kept it afloat. So when we got here, you know, we're young, full of ideas. Hey, let's go reach the world. And, and we had to be a little careful with that. We just didn't come in and just, you know, rock the world. Because then we'd been doing it all by ourselves. But the strategy of growing upwards and serving outwards, that was something in Bread and Us, where we came from, and I just loved that thought, and it, it it just fit, and I thought, man, what a better place than in rural ministry, because typically in churches, rural or suburban or city, whatever, they're doing one or the other. Sure. They're either always giving out and not really growing spiritually, or they're growing spiritually, you know, almost pharisaical and not doing anything Absolutely. outside. <laughs> and so the two really fit together, And and I remember having the conversation with one of my deacons, and I'm like, I'm questioning everything, you know, how come this logo's on this envelopes and what's about this and what's touchable, what's not. And he's like, pastor, it's just what we had. And that's just, you know, it's, that was probably from a former pastor. Sure. I said, okay, well, here's my thoughts. Here's the motto. Here's our vision. You know, I, I, I said, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going to teach on it. And he's like, pastor, whatever you think. I mean, literally, it was just like that whatever you think. Good. You know, they, they had never heard of a vision or a motto right. or, you know, having a, a type of verse to, to live from as a church. And so that's what we did. We incorporated it and we didn't get them to just live it out in front of them. You know, just like the good leadership books show, you know, a, a boss isn't yelling and everybody else is pulling. He's, he's leading the charge pulling along with them. And, and that's what we did, which is easy for me and my wife. We were doers. So we jumped in, we started just doing outreach stuff wherever we could find opportunities. i went to a training with uh, Dr. Mark Rutland one time down at ORU and he talked about finding your bridge to your community. And so outreach is a pretty good one. And everybody in your church can do some shape or form of the outreach. Our church was, you know, not negatively, but was older. Me and my wife, I think there was one couple younger than us. Yeah. And we were in our, you know, mid to late thirties at the time. And, uh, it's like, but well, we can still do outreach. Even with our older people, they wanted to come and help serve, whether it was bagging up stuff or just, you know, right now, uh, we're doing a bunch of blankets that we got oh, back yeah, over I here. I can and, see that our uh,
1: listeners well, but I can see it in the background of your video.
0: Yeah, there's like 500 blankets there that our older ladies are able to seam and hem up and, and get them ready and because we had to do some modifications on them. But outreach was a way that everybody could be involved. And so it, it just fit. And so we begin to live that out. And for the first seven years during the summer, it was usually July, um, those first seven years we did a leadership, I, I did a leadership training and it was always focused on the bigger picture. It was always on outreach. It was always on, you know, let's get our eyes off us. Let's don't be the church, you know, or don't go to church, let's be the church. The whole mindset. And we just we just did that for like seven years. My pastor had taught me, he says, Steve, when you start casting vision, you say it until you're sick and tired. And then when you're sick and tired, you say it some more. (laughs) And so so we just kept doing that. Yeah. And then after seven years, you know, when you start getting newer people, the, the DNA has changed, the culture changed, and so now your people are repeating what you're saying, and so you don't have to quite teach it as much. Now it's just living it out and explaining why we do it more than getting them to see why we need to do it. So it's been quite an adventure. Our people got on board with it. Once they got there, they loved it. They saw the response. They saw church growth. And like my pastor used to tell me, he's like, Steve, people can't argue with growth you know, when people are getting saved and lives are being changed, marriages are being healed. They can't argue with that. And he's right. He was absolutely right. You know? And so the more we did, the more people got on board and still to this day, we're, we're doing it 14 years later. and We actually have an outreach coordinator specifically to help us with those. Nice.
1: Well, and, uh, and honestly, uh, man, what a cool, what a cool Testament to culture, because I think, again, if our goal is to be in the community and, and even for pastors to lead the charge by finding ways to serve in the community, whether it's for the money or not, whether it's because you need the job or not. Right. But I think it's just so cool because um, one of the great disconnects is sometimes it can feel in a church like the pastors, this full-time clergy who's always stuck in the church walls. And then you've got these people working 40 hours a week and they're working on the community, trying to live it out. And I, and I love that maybe by vocational is a way for us to feel more connected to our people and to feel like we are leading the charge in a tangible way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, like I said, I had a great mentoring pastor and, and he always taught me little tricks to things. And so I was real versed in listening to people that were already here. He said, if you'll just listen, you'll know the past. And I don't know, it was probably year three or four. And uh, we, I wasn't vocational at the time, but yet we were already in the schools helping and doing sure. things. And I remember one of my elders who's been here a long time. And he told me, he's like, pastor, he said, it, you've been good for us. He said, you get out in the community. People know who you are. He said, I, I hate to say this. He said, but, you know, we've had pastors in the past that just stayed in the office at the church. He could have walked down the sidewalk in town and nobody would even know who he was. And I heard that and I was like, okay. That tells me I'm on the right track and I need to get because that impacted him enough to remember that to tell me right. some years later that I thought, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so we just got out there and did more.
1: Yeah. Um. So obviously we've touched on a little bit, but I kind of want to dive into it real intentionally here. So you became bivocational by choice. A lot of people, again, as we mentioned, kind of view full time pastoring as the goal, but you willingly chose to add hats, add jobs. And so I really want to dive into the motivations for your decision, because again, obviously there was something in your full-time ministry that you felt was lacking. And I want us to maybe describe that a little bit, even from your seat as you know, and then there was something that you distinctly gained, you know, kind of from going by vocation. So let's really intentionally focus on those two. What, what was it that you were lacking just as being this full-time pastor? And then what is it you're gaining by jumping in by vocation?
0: Okay. Well, what we were lacking was, like I said, a, a way for me to connect to the community more than just being that pastor who showed up with supplies to the school, or, you know, we fed the football team, or if we were just doing a free coffee and hot chocolate at the Christmas parade, we were at, a, we have an actual little uh, community festival here we do every year in the fall, we just had a couple weeks ago, you know, doing outreach there. Th- those were becoming, Pretty routine. Everybody kind of knew that our church did those things, you know. They were appreciative of it, but me, as before, I was a pastor. You know, I really took my job as a missions field. I really did. I, I, our pastor challenged us in that area, and I and I took that serious. And so I, I was missing that personally. I didn't feel like I was getting to witness to anybody. Yeah, I could get up and preach about it. But one of my good pastor friends told me a long time ago, he says, Steve, whatever you want the church to do, you got to do. You know, if you want your church to give, you got to give. If you want your church to evangelize, you got to evangelize. You know, and it was so true. And so I was like, okay, I've got to be intentional about this and find a way. And my background from the workplace, I was a mechanic. I mean, and I was like, well, you know, it'd be kind of hard to take a job like that because you're on call. And here I'd be right back in the same boat that I was in before trying to minister and. Uh, working a full-time job, and that wasn't quite the fit either. So just being patient and really knowing that I needed to find a road in. And then, like I say, they uh, – here's the thing pastors need to understand about rural schools. They struggle with finding teachers. They struggle with finding coaches. And if they do, they don't necessarily stay very long. It's almost like rural churches, you know. You get them for a year or two and they're gone. Well, they're young. They're right out of college. They get a job because – the little schools are just dying to find anybody like a small church. They're just dying to find anybody. So there's a lot of equivalencies there. And I thought, man, you know what? I can, I can take both of those and make them fit together. And after being here seven years, I had built enough, established enough influence in the community, but also in the church. We had good leadership by that time that knew what a vision was and they were really excited. I can remember being kind of nervous when I went to the board and said, hey, they're, they've accepted me. They, they want me to be the assistant football coach and the assistant basketball coach. Are you guys okay with that? And didn't even bat an eye. They're like, oh, yeah, that's great, Pastor. You know, that's more, that's more ways for you to get yeah, in. That's and a like, testament okay. to the culture that you said, too. Yes. We came in year one and did that. I think they'd probably be like, yeah, ah, yeah. no, we, got, we brought you here to be our pastor. Right, we right. Didn't bring, you know what I mean? But it still works out really well here because I can still come in the office, I can be here you know, the regular hours just like if I was teaching at the sure. school because all your practices, all your games are in the evenings. And so, so it works out really well. But the benefit that we've been seeing, though, it, it, it has been people coming to the church. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we did it to do that because, you know, sometimes you, you get this idea, well, if we do all this outreach, then we'll get people. Well, if we don't get people, are we going to quit doing the outreach? Right. Well, no, you continue to do it. And I, I know uh Pastor Barnett out in Arizona one time, I heard him talking about outreaching and stuff. And he said, if you'll reach to the people that nobody wants, God will send you the people everybody wants. Oh, there you go. And I was like, Okay, that uh, makes sense that's, to me. It's quite
1: know? a note of wisdom.
0: Yeah. And so I talked about it and hey, we're gonna do this no matter what, and we're gonna to continue to do this. Anything that we started, we still do today. Now it's kind of hard to say. You know, you think. Well, man, you know, at some point you have to cut some of that out. When you have good people, you can continue to move forward. But uh, the benefit has been really we've we've reached people in the community. We've reached people at the school because they see us loving on the school. They see us in everyday motion and actions and not just as preachers and not just those people in that church. They get to know us. So uh, one of the very first families that we reached from the school was the superintendent's secretary. We kind of have a little ministry here in town that we started called Indian muscle. And uh, because we're the Indians, that's our mascot. And it's a faith-based business owner kind of influencers in the community that pool resources together to help kids at the school with things that for me and you or anybody, you know, would just take for granted, like, you know, having a bed to sleep on or, having groceries in the refrigerator, or, you know, maybe they need some help with some school stuff to go to a vote um, Just anything like that. We've done all kinds of stuff. Shoes for PE shoes for ball team, anything like that. And so she saw us because I was getting the emails from her from the school when the teachers would have needs, it was like, I would get it out instantly. We'd meet the need right. and we'd take it to her. And then she would give it to the school wherever it needed to go. So that way the student never knew who it came That's from. That's awesome. So we be- Yeah. So we do this for about, I don't know, six months. And then one day she sends me an email and she says, Hey Steve, this is nothing to do with Indian muscle, but Hey, I was just curious. What time does your church start? (laughs) And so here she is. She's a young mom, husband. They got three kids at that time. They were all in elementary age. And uh, so they started coming, been coming ever since. Now her husband's actually my uh, soundboard, or we do a Facebook sure, live stream. Sure, sure. does all of that stuff for me. He, he, he does a phenomenal job. But that's one benefit. Um, the high school super, uh, high school's counselor, she'd been a counselor. she just retired this year, but she'd been a counselor for 15, 20 years. And it was the same thing. She saw us at the schools, loving on the schools. Anytime there was a need, we jumped on it. And then the last... No, I actually, her oldest son, I coached him all four years of high school in football and basketball. And I guess it would have been year two of coaching him. The dad sent a message through Facebook and said, Hey coach, um, me and my wife have been talking and we'd really like to get the boys and our family back in church. We haven't been in church in a long time. And I was just uh, wondering if it'd be okay if we came and visited your church. And it's like, Oh, let me think about that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I can clear my schedule. We'd fit you in. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And so they started coming, and they've been a great asset too. Still here today. Uh, Matter of fact, the husband is one of my deacons. Just this year, got voted in as one of my new deacons. Wow. Uh, Coach the oldest son all the way through school. He's my worship leader now. The youngest son, he's a senior this year. I'm coaching him in football and basketball as well. You know, that's that's been a great benefit, not just salvation wise, but people are getting plugged into the church and actually have an active role in leadership. And then another, another great story is one of the young men that was in our youth group, he was one of the van kids and you know, not the greatest home life, kind of rough and a great guy though. Great kid. I remember when he was in youth, he would always make sure on Wednesday nights to find me and he'd say, Hey, pastor, you going to come watch us play our ball game tomorrow. You know? And I'd say, you bet I'm going to be there. And uh, at that time, my son was just a year or two older than him. And so I was still going to games. And so I would go and watch him and connect with him. Well, then he got in high school, and his senior year was my first year of actually coaching at the high school. So I coached him in football, and then he graduated, went off to college, a nearby college here. And I remember telling him at the baccalaureate service at the end of it, I told him, I said, Brian, I know God's got a call on your life, and whenever you're ready to fulfill it, you let me know. And he kind of looked at me funny like, whatever old man, you know, know. <laughs> you know, whatever. Kind of to See you later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes off to college and, Oh man, I guess it'd been almost four years later. He had met a young lady at, at the camp at summer camp, you know, like everybody oh, does. Yeah, classic. <laughs> and uh, he was going with our youth group. Well, he met another a young lady at youth camp and they kind of connected well then he came back home, she went back home and she was on the west side of the state, he's on the east side and they never really, you know, stayed connected very long. Probably facebooked each other a little bit, but that's about it. Well, they both end up at the same college. And they reconnect, they start dating. She is doing an internship at the assembly the assembly God church there in that college town and he starts going back to church because of her. Wow. Classic
1: story really. And they
0: reconnect. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, he proposes to her at the campgrounds, and uh, she says, I do. They get married, and a week later, they're here at our church doing our children's Wow. Ministry. And now, they've been here almost two years and uh, doing a great job. They're actually taking over our whole kids' ministry. So, it's been really cool stories pop up out of that, not to mention, you know, hundreds and countless of people that we've helped that end up going to church somewhere else or yeah. even going back to the church they re- were raised in just realizing they needed to get back to their church. So, yeah. There been a lot of cool stories like that. Yeah.
1: And honestly, um, man, that's just huge to see the fruit from that. Because again, I think that sometimes by vocation is viewed as necessary or kind of this burden, or I guess if I have right. to, I will, but it's right. like, man, you, I mean, when you're talking my worship leader, my deacons, my kids ministers yeah. are a result yes. of, so it's not just, Hey, I got more attendance it's not hey just people got saved it's like man the the kingdom of God is marching forward because you guys got involved in your community man that is a huge lesson in itself and I love I love how simple you put that where you're just like well to be honest people just showed up you know like it's just cool that, that yeah you get out in the community and suddenly when people see a face to a name they go man I could I could go to that church you know I know my own pastor serves as an EMT and sure enough, the director of the EMS comes to our church and, you know, eventually all these things happen. Yeah.
0: It's cool stuff. Well, yeah. hey, same way here we got teachers and coaches and, you know, all kinds of, of school faculty attend yeah, here. Yeah,
1: so. And it's huge because those connections are deep and they're strong and they obviously bear fruit for the gospel.
0: It, what's really cool. Let me throw Absolutely. this in there, Joe, for people, you know, pastors are listening, you know, like, man, that seems like a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but here's what happens. You know, the old saying, you're, Your reputation precedes you. So since I've been here in 14 years, we've had four different superintendents. We've had, I don't know, probably a half a dozen different principals, which the new elementary principal is somebody in our church. She was a a teacher, and she kept pursuing her master's. Next thing you know, the elementary job's open. She puts in for it, she gets it. Well, we get a brand-new superintendent this year, and we were doing a food ministry through June and July out of our parking lot, once a week on Mondays through a grant type of deal. And the new superintendent, there again, your, your reputation precedes you. He hears all the stuff, and he's like, I need to meet this guy. So he shows up, which there again, the secretary goes sure, to, go to church.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so she drives him down, and for six weeks, the new superintendent comes and helps us pass out food from wow. our church lot. That's just huge. You can't,
1: you can't get that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just that's such a God moment. It's such a cult
0: it's all God, yes. such
1: a moment of, man, we, we've we been faithful in our community, and, and now you see the fruit of that. And yes. Well, I think uh, you and I talked about, a little bit about the future of the rural church, and I think we agree that it kind of involves pastors working more and more outside the walls, not just in rural settings, but just in general, you know, it seems like that's where it's trending. Um, and this might seem like a simple answer to you, take it however you want, but do you believe that every rural pastor should seek or at least be open to be by, be by vocational in some way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in some way, shape, or form, a good friend of mine, he just lives about 30 minutes from here, pastors, church about our size. He started driving the school bus. You know, it's in the morning, in the afternoon, that's it. He he takes teams on trips sometimes because he had seen us and it was the same thing. He's like, man, my kids are all out of school too now. He said, I, I need to find a way to connect. And it's a blessing. I mean, I, I could sit here and tell you I don't know how many pastors, at least a dozen that just come off the top of my head that have started doing bivocational. Some of them are ag teachers. Some of them are coaches. Some of them just drive a school bus. Some of them just do the announcing at games. You know, the PA yeah. guy. I mean, the we're preachers. Sure so we could pull that off. Um, absolutely. Just I'm not saying you got to go get a full time job, make, you know, try to make 60 grand a year. But even if it's just a couple hours a day, just to have your face out there. Because when life happens, they know you'll pray for them and they'll come to you. There's um, another story right now. That's, actually, we're living in it right now. Two young men, they're brothers. They're only two years apart. One's a senior, one's a sophomore. Been coaching them the whole time. Mom, or stepmom and dad having some, have some rough go. And she does the hair of one of my deacon's wives. And she's been inviting her and been inviting her and inviting her. Trouble's hit in marriage. They start showing up. And they've been here now five weeks in a row. Uh, he's gonna start coming to our men's deal. He told my guy the other day, wow. hey, send me a text message. I need to come to that men's stuff. <clears throat> you know, it's just you look what you're missing out on because you can be real in front of them, they can see you outside of the church. They're like, Oh, Steve's just another old Joe, just like yes, I am. I exactly. mean, you know, no, no uh, point. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just like they get to see you as a regular human being walking this thing out and that makes you approachable. And that's another thing that we post a lot on our website and stuff is we want to be a place where the imperfect are perfectly Mm -hmm. welcome. Love that. And and once you get them here now, there's work to do, but we want them to feel like they can come. They don't have to dress a certain way. They don't have to have a certain social economic status. None of that. Just man, just come here by Jesus. All of us are here. Just trying to be like Jesus. That's all we're trying to do. And when you can be approachable like that, People let their guards down and it comes through being able to get out in the community with them, not just as the pastor, right. you know, because I want to pass for the whole community. Yeah. We, we, I tell people all the time, I don't care if you come to my church. I really don't. I just want you to know Jesus and follow him. Now, if that means you have to go back to the church that you were raised in your whole life and that's yeah, where you feel connected, then go for it. You know, I mean, it's gotta be that way.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, I agree with that. And I think you and I even had a really great uh, conversation on the phone about uh you know just the nature of how how God works through our given talents you know I, I I remember joking with you I said yeah I would never God would never say hey Joe do you want to reach your community as a football coach because I never played football um but I can play five <laughs> instruments who knows if if music lessons and yeah. and uh you know working with the community band you know there's all these ways that, that I could yes. reach that you never will and all and vice versa and so for any pastor listening, Absolutely. I hope that uh, maybe today has been an encouragement where even if bivocational is not a necessity, it is desirable. It's, it's a way to live life that I think has such fruit for the kingdom of God. So I just want to say one more time, uh, Steve, thank you so much for jumping on this today.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it, Joe. And, uh, you know, anytime anybody's got questions or want to know how we, we've been doing stuff, the one big question I do get a lot is, is, man, how do you fund the outreach? And what I always tell them is we created a fund. Just like, you know, it used to be called a banana. Sure, sure, sure. You know, that's your, community. that's your community. We actually we actually made a name for it. We have people in our church give a monthly pledge oh, to it, just like you would anything else. Culture. And that's how we do it. Yeah, that's how we do all of our outreach. So that way it's not, you know, bankrupt in our yeah, general fund. For sure. People give to this, and you get more buy-in that way. So, you know, I, any little things like that, I know that's always for me when I hear somebody talk. I'm like, okay, well, how do they do that, though? And how did they get there? Yes. And, so I'm always free to that. You know, feel free to share any of my information with anybody. Absolutely. I'd love to talk. And uh, we we love to share our story because literally this isn't no cliche. If we can do it where we're at, it, it can be done anywhere in America. That's Absolutely.
1: Sure. Well, hey, um, again, this has been such a great conversation and we're excited in the weeks to come to hear more bivocational voices. For now, uh, thank you again for tuning into Rural Advancement. If you are a pastor listening who is on the fence about this, or if you're a pastor listening who is tuning in saying, yeah, I've seen similar fruit in my community. We are so excited that you're here, that you're listening, and we want you to feel equipped and empowered to do God's work in your small out-of-the-way place. Because again, this is by Rural for Rural. We get it. We see you, and we are excited for what God's doing. And we will see you next week.